0: Magic Conj, will I ever get to meet Tom Kenny? Maybe someday. Oh, so you're saying there's a chance. Okay, okay. Should I tell fans of the show how they can support us? Yes. Goofy Goobers, supporting the show is shockingly easier than catching a blue jellyfish. Right from our anchor page, anchor.fm slash spongepod, you can find links to all of our social media and a support button if you happen to have a few extra clams. Also follow us on twitch.tv spongebobpodcast where it's not only the official home to our sister show Video Bob Game Pants, it's also where I stream live drawings of various Nickelodeon characters and host the opportunity for commissions and giveaways. Lastly, the official merchandise store is now open at redbubble.com people slash where various designs will be uploaded in Inspired by our show including our official logo which is now available on a multitude of products like t-shirts stickers duvet covers and even a shower curtain this is a podcast by a fan for fans and will always be fan driven any way you see fit on supporting our show is much appreciated thank you and enjoy Welcome to another episode of I'm Ready, a SpongePod Squarecast. My name is Captain Eric, and we are continuing our sail through the second season of SpongeBob SquarePants. But as mentioned in the beginning of this entire show, uh, as we are going along in episode order, we're also going to be taking little sidetracks over to the video games as they were released. And uh, just to give an explanation on the lateness of this episode, when I first uh, started you know, working on this show... Uh, getting things ready, one of the first things I did was make a master list of, you know, every SpongeBob episode up until the end of season three in the movie, uh, put them in episode order and then plop in the video games where where they were released in, you know, wherever the episodes were released. So if a episode came out on you know January 4th and a video game released on January 6th, that next episode would be primarily about the video game. Um, So in my list. Uh, I had uh, Legend of the Lost Spatula coming out after Grandma's Kisses uh, or after uh, the other episode. And so I was doing all of this work on Grandma's Kisses. And for some reason, I was the release dates came across my eyes again. And I realized I made a massive mistake. So uh, I had to quickly scrap everything I'd worked on, or at least just hold off. I didn't delete everything. Um, but then immediately get to playing legend of the Lost spatula, which just with no preparation or or readiness, I didn't even have any time to, to properly promote that. I was going to be live streaming it, but I did live stream uh, a bit of the game through Facebook, Twitch, um, and YouTube streaming will be coming at some point as well. Um, so uh, th- so this episode is going to be about Legend of the Lost Bachelor, Uh, But before we get to that, we're, we're going to take a quick detour of our detour to look at this week in Nickelodeon history. This week in Nickelodeon history, 30 years ago, This week, the show Welcome Freshman debuted on February 16th, 1991. Uh, I have no recollection of the show whatsoever, but it ran for three seasons and uh, 49 episodes. Um, I guess it was uh, like reading about it reminds me a little bit of Saved by the Bell. Um, But honestly, out of all of the classic live action shows, this is the one I have... Uh, the least amount of memory of and um i I definitely would love to go back and look at that uh, to see if it holds up at all, but I hear nobody talk about it i I've had many conversations about classic Nickelodeon with many people, and I can't tell you that there was ever a person who brought up uh welcome freshman i it's just never I've never had anybody drop that because. If somebody said something that they had an iconic Nickelodeon memory of that I didn't and it was around the same time of other shows, like Clarissa Explains It All, I'd have a lot of memories of watching that. If somebody mentioned Welcome, Freshman, I think I would look into it more, but apparently I I never did. 29 years ago, on February 16th, 2002, the rocket power TV movie Race Across New Zealand aired on Nickelodeon. Uh, I went down a little bit of a rabbit hole here because I didn't realize um, on Wikipedia that there was an actual source that kept track of all of the Nickelodeon TV movies. I never came across this page whatsoever, and right smack dab at the first was Race Across New Zealand. Um, I have a lot of love for Rocket Power. I have watched it since then, and in some ways it does really hold up as a show, and in other ways it doesn't hold up as a show. Auto Rocket, for an example... Uh, as a kid, everybody loves Auto Rocket. As an adult, Auto Rocket is one of the most annoying cartoon characters. It's crazy. Um, the characters that I were annoyed at as a kid are now tolerable. Uh, and it's just sometimes there are some early episodes where a lot of the focus was bullying on Sam um, and other characters just kind of took over. And I don't know. So, uh, even though I've soured on Rocket Power a little bit, I still it still holds strong in my heart. And Race Across New Zealand is a great TV movie. It's it's full of action. It, you know they try to add a little bit more drama uh, into this this big competition that the Rockets are a part of in Australia. Um, and it 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 what brought zorbing to to my knowledge, which for those that don't know zorbing, it's those giant. Uh, plastic balls that you can crawl into. It's like a big human hamster ball uh, and you just bounce down hills and whatnot. It's the first time I ever saw it uh, and and seeing it in a cartoon it was like, wait a minute, this thing is real? You can actually do that? Um, and then I also remember Tito's obsession with Vegemite and as a kid wanting to try Vegemite as much as Tito wanted but then just constantly hearing from people how um, I, I guess I expected it to be Somewhat sweet, but it's a very salty type substance to put on toast and whatnot. Um, And when you overdo it, it's just too much salt. Uh, But yeah, that's Race Across New Zealand. Going through that list, I found a a few other TV movies I missed throughout the last week. So I just want to give them some quick shout outs. Uh, 18 years ago on February 2nd, 2003, the Nickelodeon movie The Electric Piper aired on Nickelodeon. Fifteen years ago, on January 16th, 2006, the Nickelodeon TV movie The Jimmy Timmy Power Hour 2 When Nerds Collide debuted. Uh, and if you were a kid or even a young teenager at this time, uh, th- these movies, the Jimmy Timmy Power Hour movies, were a were such a big deal. Uh, the first one all the way back in 2004 that we'll talk about uh, in a couple of months uh, uh, really set the groundwork on what I believe is the greatest TV crossover of all time, at least for cartoon purposes. Uh, maybe there's a live-action crossover that would beat it, but uh, the, the these specials worked so perfectly because... They respected each other's boundaries, and it was believable. Uh, Even if you were just a a avid watcher of Jimmy Neutron that even though took a lot of liberties with what it could do or what is possible uh, in its world, um, uh, Timmy and his fairies coming from another universe didn't stick out like a sore thumb. It kind of oddly fit, no pun intended. Uh, And the second one, was was so much bigger I, almost 2 years later for this second movie i remember the first trailer debuting and just being super excited especially because now we wouldn't get to, just to see timmy and jimmy in each other's worlds we would get uh cosmo and wanda in jimmy's world and all of jimmy's friends in the fairly odd parents world so it just fully expanded more characters going into each other's universes um, and it was a nice movie. I actually think I enjoy the second one more than the first, even though the first one is incredibly enjoyable. Uh, but this second one really knocked it out of the park uh, in terms of quality. Uh, and the third one, which we will eventually get to, I'll, I'll have more to say. Uh, but also, speaking of the Fairly Odd Parents, 13 years ago, on February 18th, 2008, was the debut of the TV movie Fairly Odd Baby. Which is a big deal because it it was the first moment that the Fairly Odd Parents took a real pivot in change and quality and and adding a big character, big character there. Um, for those that don't know, in two thousand six, right after the Jimmy Timmy Power Hour three, the Jerkinators debuted on television. It was kind of the word around animation forums that both Jimmy Neutron and Fairly Odd Parents were were both canceled. Um, both shows. Had a few remaining episodes in their respective seasons. Uh, there was, I think, about three or four each um, that would air in the fall of 2006, and that that would be the end of both shows. Uh, and it was a it was a big deal at the time to read that because both of these shows were at real creative highs, in my opinion, and I think of opinion of most other people. Uh, so to hear Jimmy Neutron ending was a was a kind of letdown. Fairly Odd Parents we've had a bit longer on television, so I think that one was the one that you kind of could let go of and it would be okay but jimmy neutron had so much more gas in the tank of that time um but both got both did legitimately get canceled of the time but but shortly soon after in 2007 uh it was announced that fairly odd parents would be coming back uh not only in a in a in a for more seasons but in a big way would would have cosmo and wanda's very first child the first uh baby in the fairy world to be born in I don't know how many years million or so on Uh, and it was this big deal it was viewed by 8.81 million viewers it was I think Nickelodeon's biggest TV movie or not not the biggest maybe one of the biggest but it was a big deal at the time Uh, it debuted the character of Poof who was uh, Cosmo and Wanda's child and uh, even though most People will point to Poof as being the first big downgrade in quality of Fairly Odd Parents. I've I've said on this show before, uh, Poof really just didn't add anything to the show for me, but also take away from the show. I think it was just kind of a, a light distraction in some episodes. Poof to me is harmless. It's kind of in the same way I view Dill and Rugrats. Uh, it's a character that um, doesn't add much, but really just doesn't take stuff away. the The worst that can happen is you get a distraction of an episode or or two, but it doesn't take away from the core dynamic of the show. Um, But yeah, still though, 13 years. Poof is 13 years old. He is officially a teenager, even though in the show his age, like I've seen him grown up and fluctuate and all this jazz. 12 years ago on February 16th, 2009, the TV movie Spectacular debuted on television. That's all I have to say about that. Never seen this movie, and by its poster, it kind of gives off a like a step up type feel of like a TV teen movie. That's I'm probably dead on about that. But we spoke about the fairly odd parents and how they got cancelled in two thousand and six and brought back. Now, let's talk about the the return of the world of Jimmy Neutron on February fifteenth, two thousand and thirteen. Uh, it was uh, 8 years ago now. One of the worst Nicktoons ended its run, thankfully. That is the Nicktoon of Planet Sheen, the spin-off of The Adventures of Jimmy Neutron boy, boy Genius. Um the the less said about Planet Sheen the better. Um I spoke very highly about Jimmy Neutron and how it had a lot of gas in the tank, and I and I do believe that, but this didn't use that gas. This took uh, very little of that gas, and tried to put it into an, a completely different gas tank. Uh, I, that analogy makes sense. Analogy, analogy makes sense. Um, but Planet Sheen just from its announcement, like the second you heard that Nickelodeon was was willing to dip back into the Jimmy Neutron pool, why not just go with the whole show that already exists and people like and that was already pretty successful why take the most annoying character that we love in the context of the show and make him the star um and still surround him with characters that are pretty much just like jimmy and carl it's like why why bother to do this uh i i feel like look props do have to be given to jeff jeff garcia who voices sheen um he does well with the character and, and does subtly try to ground him a little bit as the main star. Um, so all props to him. Props to Rob Rob Paulson, who continues his Carl Weezer voice uh, in, oh, what's the character's name? Uh, Doppy, who was for all intent and purposes just an a alien version of Carl. Uh, and then there's Mr. Nesbitt, who is the kind of shoe-in for Jimmy Neutron, but it's not voiced. Uh, by Debbie Darrenberry. So I, I, have, I don't know. I, I know I said the less about this, the, the better, but I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea why it exists. Uh, but yeah, it ended. It ended after 26 episodes, 50 segments, and unfortunately, I don't know if Sheen was ever rescued. But with the continuing efforts to return to the world of Jimmy Neutron, I hope that episode one they just. Have a have a joke on on Sheen being back Um, or maybe just right in the beginning of the show his his, a ship crash lands back on Earth and they just kind of kick dirt over at what Planet Sheen did. I'm sure even Jeff Garcia would would agree with that. But uh, but yeah, Planet Sheen. Six years ago on February 16th, the TV movie Splitting Adam debuted on Nickelodeon. Uh, once again, another TV movie I have not watched, uh, it stars Jace Norman, who is best known as Henry danger, uh, of the show, Henry danger. I, I know that's not his name. I know he's kid danger, but, uh, (laughs) as you can see, I didn't, I didn't really watch that show. Although I am a big fan of the toddler. I think he is a hilarious villain. Uh, without knowing splitting Adam, seeing the poster, it kind of gives itself off, um, like the, that episode of Jimmy Neutron where he splits his personalities to do different chores around the, uh, Retroville. It, that kind of gives me the same vibe as this movie. Uh, but that's splitting Adam. Seven years ago, on February 17th, the Nickelodeon-Nicktoon Breadwinners debuted on Nickelodeon. Breadwinners is one of the Nicktoons I have not watched. It's, it's in this collective of... Uh, uh, Harvey Beaks and, and Breadwinners I, I have to check out, uh, although it only lasted two seasons, 40 episodes um, to some that that may show you its quality. But remember, this is a time at Nickelodeon where if your show and its first season or two didn't hit SpongeBob level of numbers, you were garbage to them and they would just kind of shove you away. So I, so seeing that doesn't really deter me on the quality of the show, because it could very well be. A good good Nicktoon, but one of these days I'll have to check it out. Three years ago, on February 19th, 2018, the show Night Squad aired on Nickelodeon. I have no recollection of that whatsoever. And also, no recollection of our last show here, which ended its run on January 17th, 2020, one year ago, America's Most Musical Family. Uh, I definitely saw clips of this online um, just, uh, another one of your kind of competition shows with a panel, uh, who was on the panel, Ciara, David Dobrik and Debbie Gibson. Imagine, uh, just imagine for a second being very musically talented and having David Dobrik tell you that like, you're not really that good or you were a little pitchy or something like that. Uh, that, I don't know, that would be weird for me. Um, Although is Debbie yeah Debbie Gibson is is a record producer. Uh, Ciara Ciara of course is a singer, and then you got David Dobrik who's just a YouTube personality and has as far as I know no real musical t- talent. I don't know if he's a singer or if he has. Uh, uh, apparently, I'm looking at his Wikipedia. He does have some music videos under his belt but he's not a, come on. He's not a, he's not like a real singer. Every YouTuber puts out songs here and there and whatnot. Like if I hit a million subscribers on YouTube and there were just other avenues to make money and somebody offered me the chance, like, Hey, you want to make a music video and a song and a single? Like, yeah, sure. Who knows? You never know what happens. That thing, those things blow up, but, uh, i don't know don't want to don't want to go too hard on david dobrik his name just was weird there as a as a judge a part of that show but yeah that was just last year two thousand years later okay now on to the main event of today's episode uh we're going to be talking about spongebob squarepants legend of the lost spatula Uh, The very first game based on the television show, Spongebob Squarepants, and the second video game to feature Spongebob as a playable character, uh, which the first one being Nicktoons Racing. I didn't own this game uh, initially when it first came out. Uh, A a friend of mine actually had it, and I I got to try it out, and it really wasn't my cup of tea. I didn't like the game at the time. I, I gave it a good shot. Um, and it wasn't until later on that I just owned it because it was fairly cheap at some game store. And, um, I of course would love to even get a boxed version of this, uh, someday down the road, but it's, it does, it just didn't play good. It didn't really attract me. And a lot of early SpongeBob's games tried to, uh, put the idea of exploring Bikini Bottom into its games. I remember one of the one of the only handheld Spongebob games I owned was Spongebob Squarepants, the yellow Avenger on the Nintendo DS. And it tried a very similar idea of you kind of going around the streets of, of Bikini Bottom, Spongebob street, Sandy's Avenue. And, um, I I don't know. I, that never intrigued me from a handheld point of view. I would just kind of want to have it emulate classic games. Like, Hey, if you're going to be a side-scrolling platformer, just be a really good side-scrolling platformer like Sonic or Mario um if you're going to try kind of behind the camera go for a crash bandicoot feel but um the after actually just finally sitting down with this game and learning the mechanics and and learning what you're supposed to do and pay attention the the travel around bikini bottom is not that bad uh so let's let's start at the beginning uh this game was released on March 15th 2001 uh so really 20 years ago this this game was released. This is actually pretty cool. The game was developed by Vicarious Visions, who, if you're a gamer of this day and age, might seem familiar. Uh, they're the ones behind uh, the Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy and the Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 remake. They're also behind Diablo 2 Resurrected, which they're, they're knocking it out of the park with these uh, with these remakes of classic games. Um Because before that, they were kind of locked making Skylanders for a few years. They were behind versions of Guitar Hero, um, working under Activision. They were behind uh, a lot of the handheld Tony Hawk games, which were really cool because it comes full circle. And you go from porting Tony Hawk to Game Boy and Game Boy Advance to to then remaking Tony Hawk for the big consoles. Uh, But they yeah, they have a big history Uh, initially in the handheld market making a lot of licensed handheld games looking at some of their earlier work uh, they uh, had the Game Boy version of Vigilante 8 and also the Game Boy Color N64 and PlayStation game Polaris Snowcross Uh, they also made the Spider-Man and Wild Thornberry games for Game Boy Color and also had Barbie Pro Darts game and Q-Ball as well. The the following year, for 2001, they had a uh, Blue's Clues and their SpongeBob game release on Game Boy, but also made Game Boy games of Zabumafu Monsters, Inc. They were also behind the PlayStation game Spider-Man 2 Enter Electro, and then it just goes on of all, every Tony Hawk game on the Game Boy Advance. Uh, they were behind the Revenge of the Flying Dutchman, which we'll eventually get to, the Game Boy Advance version. Uh, they didn't really step into the GameCube and, and Xbox playstation 2 games they did for star wars jedi knight 2 jedi outcast and then kind of you look and it's just all of this dump of game boy games uh crash bandicoot 2 x2 finding nemo jet set radio disney's extreme skate adventure uh battle for bikini bottom so they they have a lot of history here in these handheld spongebob games so um but here we are at the first one, Spongebob Squarepants Legend of the Lost Spatula. So first off, the one thing I really want to be positive about this game is is its presentation and its design. I think, yes, gameplay is a very important part of what makes a video game, but um, I, I a lot of... A lot of accolade of this game has to go to the design of it, to the to the proper use of the SpongeBob license and the references they did in this game. They they the effort they put into SpongeBob's idle animations, um, to the look of most of the characters. Some don't come off that well in Game Boy Time, but. It is a handheld Game Boy Color game. There's only so much you can do with with basically 8-bit. Um, Mer- you know they, they have Mermaid Man in this game. They have a bunch of, of noticeable characters like Pearl that you can just talk to on your adventure. Um, and they did a wonderful job of encapsulating Bikini Bottom, and all of the levels you go to look like they belong with SpongeBob, or at least 90% of them. There's some of it that... There was like a cave area that I was in that looked like it was just made of cocoa uh, cocoa crispies. Um, It was probably the only part that I would say that didn't really look like a SpongeBob thing, but um, it really is only like 5 or 10% of even that level. So it's not that much. Um, But beautiful color mixtures in the backgrounds. Uh, I think it's the Kelpozoic jungle. Um, They use this, when you get up closer to to, uh, the top of the screen, you get more kind of a lighting effect of of the water. And there's this beautiful mix of purple and blue that that made it look like it was a sunset. It was just, I don't know, I really enjoyed myself uh, going through this game, going through its levels. Uh, So let's start with the plot here. Uh, The plot is that SpongeBob comes across this... um, He's out jellyfishing and he comes across this statue of this fry cook on this oven and he goes and talks to Mr. Krabs and Mr. Krabs basically talks about how it's a way to get the golden spatula Uh, and that getting, you know, you have to find four uh, keys that are basically oven knobs to put in the oven and and it opens up uh, to the to the world of the Flying Dutchman and also a way to get the golden spatula. Um And uh, Mr. Krabs basically tells SpongeBob, you got to go you got to go and find these knobs. You got to you got to get to that golden spatula because it'll make me rich. Uh, Hold on. It'll make you the greatest fry cook ever. So SpongeBob embarks on his journey Uh, in this. There are four levels to get the uh, four various oven knobs, Uh, the places of which are there's one in. Uh, jellyfish fields, there's one at the Kelpozoic jungle, there's one at the Undersea Desert, and there's one at the Carnival, which, if you don't immediately understand that reference, there's, entire, there's an entire level around uh, the hooky episode of Spongebob uh, of what Patrick calls the Carnival is literally a level full of hooks trying to hook you and bring you up to the surface. Uh, and they actually implement... Uh, a platform. There's a lot of platforming elements in the carnival of jumping from lure to lure, uh, which can be extremely precise. But a few of the lures actually rise up to the top and there's a net at the top of the screen. So if you get if you don't jump off right away, you could get caught up and and die. Uh, There are no lives in this game. Um, They just have little various kind of micro checkpoints. Um, not, you know, like if you happen to use a, a, you know, they have various warp doors in a level. If you happen to use a warp door, um, the door you come out of uh, is used as a checkpoint. So if you die, you'll kind of go back to that moment, which is really nice because this game is hard. Um, not only while you're in levels, there are, you know, some various enemies you can take down uh, using various weapons you can pick up. But the platforming of this game can be very precise at times. And let me just tell you. If they set out to make SpongeBob feel like he was jumping underwater, they they nailed that effect accordingly, and maybe that was a part of their sinister plan. But uh, Sponge SpongeBob's jumping can be tough to master. Uh, even by the end of this game, I wouldn't say I was really mastering it. Just knowing how to really work it better, uh, and and the one thing that that connected me with the jumping was. For those who have played Streets of Rage 2, the character Skate has a special move in which he kind of jumps up in the air and comes darting down to the ground, usually at the expense of a few enemies. And I kind of was getting that feeling in which I, the way I would jump and knowing where he would land, I had Skate in my mind the entire time. And it did help out once I was able to kind of get that in my head of of that movement style. Um SpongeBob's weapons that he has access to. Initially, um, he starts out with a bubble wand, which the bubble is not, it really comes um, in handy when dealing with enemies above you, because the bubble pretty much right after you blow it just kind of rises and hits them. It's used for a lot of the boss fights more often than not, um, and it can be a little useful in the levels. Uh, he gets his jellyfish net. Uh, which then he can unlock Old Reliable, which is a, a very cool reference to the to the show, um, which is a very stronger version of the Jellyfish Net. Um, the, the, when you get Old Reliable, the, the initial Jellyfish Net you can use to capture smaller enemies, it doesn't do anything outside of that, and its hitbox is literally right in front of SpongeBob, so your timing has to be perfect. When you get Old Reliable, it becomes a little bit stronger, um, and you can pick up other enemies you couldn't pick up initially with the jellyfish net, uh, but I tend to really stay away from it. It really wasn't helpful. Um, the net launcher you can unlock, which has a little bit of a projectile. Uh, it's, it's exactly um, as it says. It'll capture enemies in kind of this net, and then you can take out your, your bubble wand or your jellyfish net and, and capture them or just kind of knock them away. Uh, it does have ammo, so it's not unlimited like the other two weapons, uh, but you, there are various treasure chests in which you'll collect pants, because uh, pants are the health in this game, uh, and ammo for the net launcher. To bring up the, the pants, uh, you of course have your square pants. If you get hit, you'll get knocked down to underwear, and if you get hit again, Spongebob will be naked, do a very funny animation in which he covers himself, uh, and that is your life. Um, If you talk to Mrs. Puff, she'll actually give you the uh, hall monitor uniform, which gives basically an extra hit. So you can have a a max of three there very easily. Um, And there's various treasure chests that will give you an extra pair of pants. So um, health I didn't find was I wish there were a little bit more health uh, going through some of these levels, but as is, it was fine. Uh, You can eventually upgrade the Net Launcher to the Moon Man Catcher, which is another great reference to uh, an episode of SpongeBob SquarePants. Um, The spatula you can use to kind of fling Krabby Patties over to your foes, uh, leaving them stunned. They'll kind of chew on the burger. Uh, Didn't use that that much, um, but you can also upgrade it to the Hydrodynamic Spatula, which is a stronger version. You can upgrade all of your weapons except for the Bubble Wand, um, the glasses, the spring shoes, and the power ring. Uh, for those last three, the glasses, uh, they are x-ray glasses that'll let uh, SpongeBob see inside of treasure chests before you open them, which um, most of the treasure chests like are useful anyway, so you're going to open up 90% of them, so that they kind of they're useless in a way, but Oh, they're still pretty cool. Uh, the spring shoes, uh, pretty obvious. It'll let SpongeBob uh, ho- jump higher with the shoes. And the power ring that he can get from Mermaid Man, uh, Grant SpongeBob, infinite health points and improved running and jumping power. It is the, the ultimate weapon of the game. Uh, each of the characters will eventually, throughout your quest, if you go back and talk to them, will have um, different... Items for you to go back and collect in different levels. Uh, Patrick loses his pants at some point. Sandy loses her cowboy hat. Uh, Squidward wants eventually wants some jelly. Um, it, when you bring these characters their items, they'll usually power up a weapon or give you a weapon in some cases. So very useful to go back and talk to your friends. Um, part of the difficulty of this of this game was that uh, in the kind of hub world areas of walking through town, walking down Spongebob's Avenue, you'll run into just annoying enemies like Jellyfish and like Bubble Bass, who is just simply there to be a jerk, to kind of get in your way and just to take away uh, some of your health. Um, he, he can be pretty, you know, once you get used to the placement of these enemies, they become a little bit easier to manage, um, which I, I did it. I was able to get through it. Um, so you do fight a few bosses, which give you the, uh, the oven knobs and whatnot. Um, of course, in jellyfish fields, you end up fighting a, a big jellyfish. It's not outright the king jellyfish that so he doesn't have a crown or anything. Um, the, uh, they just listed as mother jellyfish. Uh, the, the, the second boss I fought, who is the jungle fish, he is, uh, at the end of the Kelpozoic jungle, I loved this boss because at the time, the three we- the three weapons I had the bubble wand, uh, the net, and the uh, the net launcher all three weapons were used in this in this boss battle. It was insane. Uh, he would there were, you were basically fighting him in front of this house or this hut, and he would jump up on the roof and aim down these projectiles at you. So if you were able to hit him with the bubble knock him to the ground, then hit him with the net launcher, which would trap him. And then you would hit him with the net. And it was just this this triple combo that knocked him out. I was super impressed by that. Um, I got killed a few times by him. But by the end, when I realized what I had to do, it was actually pretty, pretty innovative. I I was very happy about that, and especially how much I kind of enjoyed going through the jungle. Um, it, It was probably my favorite level in the game. Uh, then you fight the, uh, the cowboy fish in the undersea desert, and then, uh, the last character is the Flying Dutchman, he is the, the kind of ultimate bad guy in the game, um, which is reasonable, because if you were watching Spongebob, your, your choice of enemies were Plankton or the Flying Dutchman, and, um... For both of these big Spongebob games, his first handheld and then his first console both kind of go the Flying Dutchman route, which is kind of interesting because Plankton is in this game. Uh, the, as mentioned before, though, the, there is a lot of characters in this game that you can talk to. Um, most of the main characters you're thinking about are in here, including Larry the Lobster and Plankton and... Um, of course, the the Flying Dutchman, we've already mentioned, is the main bad guy. Uh, Mermaid Man, I've already mentioned. The presentation of Bikini Bottom is just that enjoyable. They did a wonderful job of encapsulating all of the different locations. Uh, Mr. Krabs' house, the Chum Bucket, the Krusty Krab, uh, Muscle Beach. They, they clearly... Uh, I can't tell you if the people making this game really wanted to make... Uh, really wanted to enjoy making a Spongebob... Squarepants game, but they clearly had a fun time of putting in a bunch of Easter eggs and, and different fun moments from the show. Uh, when you talk to Scooter in, in Muscle Beach on the on Goo Lagoon, SpongeBob rips his pants and makes a joke about it. It's super charming in that way. I, I remember distinctly kind of just laughing at that moment that it happened. Uh, various characters quote the show directly. Mrs. Puff uh, quotes the show. Mermaid Man quotes quotes the show and brings up little references those are very enjoyable moments in the game as a spongebob fan but the the gameplay itself um the it's the high highs and the low lows there's there's some good solid moments with the weapons even though they're kind of mostly underutilized throughout the the platforming but they became really enjoyable like during the boss battles and kind of made you understand their their mechanics a little bit more uh, for, for an initial outing for the first Spongebob game, I think this is fine. Uh, IGN rated this game initially a 6 out of 10, and I think that is really fair. I think that is a fair score because it, it is that middle of the road, like, ah, they, they needed to tweak the gameplay a little bit, but everything around the gameplay really hits hits well, they could have just made a very generic platformer with generic sea life. And and um, you can tell when a licensed game is made by people who don't really give, uh, give a care. Got to keep it PG here, family friendly. But you can tell when, when somebody just doesn't care about the work they're making. And I think Vicarious Visions and the team they had making this game, I think they definitely cared about SpongeBob, but that gameplay, the jumping, um, the the weapons and how they work could have just been tweaked ever so slightly, and then I think we would have a really solid platformer here. Uh, GameSpot is not as nice with this game. Uh, they rated it a 3.8 out of 10, which uh, they were negative about its simplified gameplay and lack of variety. Um, I would say throughout my time, you you are primarily... When you're at a new level, you're going to be doing the same things. You're jumping on the same platforms, kind of dealing with different variations of the same enemies, um, and and getting to an end goal. But those boss battles um, really helped keep things a little bit fresh and and found ways for you to you properly use your 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 weapons. Um, and it's fine. It's a Game Boy Color game. There's there's not much that you can judge because I think there is a lot of quality here, but yeah, it is a bit on the repetitive side. Uh, but you know, as I started getting good understanding SpongeBob's jumping and how to properly use it, I started finding real enjoyment with the game and, and it's platforming. Um, I, I would fail and I would just immediately want to get back into it. And it didn't feel unfair. That's, that's one thing I want to get across is, um, is that when it is at its hardest, it still feels like a bit of the responsibility is on you and that it's not a game that's just kind of um, uh, being difficult to be difficult. So I, I really enjoyed that. But all in all, if I have to give this a score, I think IGN score of 6 out of 10 is is very solid for this game. Um, I, I feel giving it a 7 out of 10 would just be giving it a little bit too much because I don't think it's as good for a 7-7. But I think I could make the argument for a six. Uh, if you went with a four or five, I, I don't think I would argue with you that much. But a 3.8, I, I would I would argue that that it's not as low as a 3.8. I, I've played 3.8 level games, and this is not one that I would say because by the end of it, by the finish, um, I, I enjoyed my time. Like I found very positive things to say about it. Um, footage of my, uh, part of my playthrough, like I said, is available on our Facebook page. So you can head there because I streamed a part of it for a Facebook live audience. I think my first good solid 30 minutes of the play is available there. Um, I will be uploading. A uh, a full run through with commentary of the game on, on both YouTube and Facebook at some point when I can get uh, to sit down and play it again. Just one straight playthrough, because I'll be honest, the first playthrough, I did take a I did take a break. I got kind of halfway through the game and I said, all right, I got to tap out. Um, But I went back into it and and played it. So uh, I'll have a full walkthrough, full playthrough of the game up at some point. Um, But uh, we're get ready because there's going to be more of these coming up because very soon we're starting to get the real the real merchandising of this show and, and more video games just keep pouring out. Um, I will especially after this snafu going to double check and go through all the release dates um, and then I should have a schedule available of all of the times I will be streaming for those various episodes. Uh, So thank you for joining me on another episode of Video Bob Game Pants, uh, and I'm Ready, a SpongePod Squarecast. It is so enjoyable to make this show for all of you, and I hope you enjoy it too. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, anything you want me to read out on the show, you can get to me at snailmail at euphonics.com, UFO N Y X. Dot com. Send me whatever you'd like there, and I will read it out on the air here. So everybody stay safe, enjoy your week, and we'll see you next time. Ah!